represents a lot in the Christian calendar. This is the day that we celebrate and call Palm Sunday is when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, his final march into Jerusalem, and people are like waving palm branches and celebrating that the Messiah has come, and it's a victory. And it leads towards a death on a cross and a resurrection, which is the greatest news for everyone in this room because of that victory and because of that death and because of the defeat of death and because of the blood that Jesus, the perfect Son of God, flows on our behalf. We have victory. Amen. That's right. That's good. Down south, we've got a whole lot more amens, but we'll go with it. We're agreeing. Yeah, this is good, man. This is what we get to be a part of, and this is why we can sing our theology, just the victory that we have in Jesus. Amen. I am going to jump right into Acts chapter 21. We're going to cover verses 17 through 26, um, and we're going to do it just a bit different. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to read portions of it, and then we're going to pause and kind of pick out what we think God is showing us in these. And this, if you're just joining us, this is the story of Paul and the disciples in the early church. They've been going and they've been starting churches and encouraging the churches. This is only a handful of maybe 30 years after Jesus walked on the earth. And this story right now is the beginning of the church, which continues all the way through till today. We find ourselves part of this church as well. And so it's cool to see where this started. We're in Acts chapter 21. Let's start in verse 17. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Amen. Imagine this. Paul as is customary. Every new city that they go to and every new city that they arrive, the first thing they do is they seek out the church. The first thing they do is they seek out the brothers and sisters. And so we've already seen, if you look back in the verses that just led up to this, Paul had just departed from a city where people were crying. They're like, we're not going to see you again. And the Spirit gave the people in that city a word that said, if you go to Jerusalem, this might be the end for you, the end of your life. Like, things are getting bad. And Paul says, I, I thank you for having that word from God, but I know I'm willing to live and I'm willing to die for this message. So I, I'm going to miss you, my brothers and sisters. And we see him get on a ship and go. And that was just previously. Now we see he's arrived in Jerusalem. And the first thing that he encounters are the brothers and sisters that receive him warmly. Why is this so cool? If we want to jump completely out of that time and into our day, how does it feel when you walk into Church Project on Sunday morning? How does it feel when you walk into house churches? Have you had your tail kicked this week? Are you a little frustrated? A little tired? Man, look around. We are the body of Christ. And to be able to walk in this place, regardless of what our actions have been or haven't been, regardless, can you feel the warmth and can you feel the love of your brothers and sisters here? I love this church. 
Hopefully this is one of the coolest and safest places you'll ever go all week long where you'll walk in and you won't feel judged. You'll feel loved and encouraged. You won't feel condemned. You won't feel repelled from Christ, but you'll feel compelled to Christ by his brothers and sisters. And hey, I got to admit, sometimes I stand up with the mic and I need your strength. And I'm preaching the word of God. Like, I need, to, I need to pull strength and encouragement from you, just like you are pulling from me and we are pulling from each other. We need each other as the body of Christ to walk in. And look how he's received and they're received in Jerusalem. They're received warmly. What a cool thing for him. What a cool thing for this tribe. Because they've just been getting feet up everywhere they go. They walk into Jerusalem and they're received warmly. Then the next day, Paul and the rest of us went in verse 18. The rest of us went to see James and the elders who were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. This James that they're speaking of here and we're reading about here is the half-brother of Jesus. He's a respected leader in Jerusalem. And Paul and the crew are sitting with him. Imagine how long this meeting was. I mean, it's been years since Paul and this tribe have been together, and now they're sitting with the half-brother of Jesus and the, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And they're like, catch us up. What's happened? And Paul's like, oh, uh, <laughs> there's been a lot that's happened on this missionary journey. Like, if you want to, oh, you'll never, you'll never believe this. I was preaching in this one city. And I knew I was leaving the next day. And so we turned a bunch of lamps on. And I started preaching. And this dude fell out of the window. And died. No one knew what to do. So I ran down and jumped on him. He came back alive. And then we came back upstairs. Can you believe that happened? And the disciples are like, yeah, what did you think was going to happen with all the oil burning lamps in a room all night? Like, Fumes were probably bad. You need to air them out. Like, what? Like, oh, he passed out because of the fumes, not because he was tired. I get it. That was hypothetical, by the way. Could have. Could have, though. But how long would this meeting go as he's telling the great story of everything that they've experienced as a body of Christ? Like, I would love to have been in that meeting. And then it says here, they praised God. Amen. How can you not praise God that a man was risen from the dead, that, that Gentiles are coming to know God, that hope is being declared? Like, man, all this story, and they praised God. Church, may all our efforts and reports of the way we live our life end with they praised God. Right? Wouldn't that be the super coolest aim ever? You can say all my efforts and everything that could ever be reported of all of my life ends with this. They praise God. Whew. This is a little hard for me to say, and some of you know it, but usually we have Grandpa here who's 93. Um, he's in his last days. And last night I, I went to his room, and I was just holding his hand. And they had already gave him his drugs that makes him go to sleep, right? So I was just, I sat there for 30 minutes holding his hand, and I thought, okay, he's asleep. So I kind of slid my hand out, and I was going to sneak out of the room. 
and that stubborn, old, amazing dude with the drugs in his system opens his eyes, and he, we have this beautiful conversation. He goes, who's preaching today? For those of you that don't know Grandpa, he was a pastor for many, many years, and he's been with us until the, the last few weeks because he just he can't move. He's in his last days. And he, he said, who's preaching today? And I said, I am, but I wish you were. And at 93, he said, I wish I was too. And I said, well, you've kind of already written the message. I'll try my best to deliver it. And he says, that sounds good. And I'm looking at a man that's leaving a legacy where family and friends and even the, the nurse that was helping is like, this is a special man. May our lives, may our efforts end with they praised Right? Like, how cool is that? To be known as a child of God, and when people see our efforts and all that we do, they praise God. Woo! Make that our prayer, church. Let's continue here, because I stopped in the middle of verse 20. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed? Amen. In Jerusalem, Jewish people are believing in Jesus by the thousands. So he already said their story. They're like, praise God. And now it's their turn to say, and they're like, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed? All of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their child or live according to our customs. Pause. Kind of burst bubbles, right? Paul's telling this great story of everything that's happening. They're like, praise God. And then they say, and thousands of people are coming to know Jesus, but. And then they, they give this problem. For some, and I would say um, currently, for Muslims specifically, and for a lot of people, believing in Jesus Christ is abandoning and often getting rejected by family and getting stripped of all earthly customs. Why then would we complicate the gospel, us as Christians, why then would we complicate the gospel by adding layers of zealous theology and minor points to keep people away from our faith or send them out the back door never to return? For some, just believing is abandoning their families, their customs, everything about it. And then we find ourselves in church, in one of the coolest places that should be one of the most lovely places of all times, and we pick each other apart and beat each other up. Why is that? Why are we so lost in the minor points of our theology and the nitpicky stuff? that we don't celebrate the victory that we're all experiencing in Jesus Christ and start and end there. Am I perfect? Oh, heck no. Come hang out with me for a little bit. And I imagine you're the same. The truth is we've believed in Jesus Christ, amen? For some of us in this room, we've never said that. Can't say I believed in Jesus Christ. Well, by the end of today, you'll be able to say that because the Spirit's prompting you right now. I know it. But we'll pause on that for a second. Let's keep talking about this. 
I thank God that despite family and culture and customs that we all have, we've all experienced, and even bad theology, that Jesus made it so easy to believe in him. Here's it. Thousands of Jewish people in Jerusalem that have believed in Jesus. And the disciples are saying, we got a problem. They got some bad theology. They got some issues here. And the fact is this. They still believe in Jesus. Amen? Church, that's encouraging for me because I'm just not the brightest dude ever. And I'm going to give good theology. But I'm going to give some bad theology too. I'm still a brother. I'm still a son of a king. God Almighty, He accepts imperfect people, so pat yourself on the back. Amen. Romans 10, 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We're going to work on your theology. We're going to work on the way that you live your life. I'm God, and I love you, but the bottom line is this, if you believe in your heart, profess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Amen. Maybe some of us in this room, we've been waiting a long time. We have a lot of issues. We got things that we got to work out. We're like, I'm going to come to God when I just look a little better and I've got my stuff all in a line. And God's like, really? Because that's never going to happen. Really, all you need to do is believe in your heart that I am Lord, that I've been risen from the dead. Confess that with your mouth and you shall be saved. Some of you in this room today for the first time will say, God, I believe that you're Lord. I believe who you say you are. I believe that you're good. I believe that and I confess with my mouth that you are Jesus, that you are Lord, and you are my King. And congratulations, now you're a follower of Christ. Amen. That's beautiful. Look how easy this is. Why do we complicate it, church? Complicating the gospel muddies the water. It simply muddies the water. It's our job to contextualize the gospel and to help usher in understanding. It's our job to go every every place that we go and to represent Jesus in those places that we go. But let's not complicate this. It's not hard. I think... Someone who does really well, or a group of people that that do it really well, are our ministry partnerships. And what we're talking about are groups of people that contextualize the gospel. They take something like a soccer ball or a volleyball or something like that, and they're like, here's Jesus. And everyone's like, oh, I get it now. I've never got it. Or they take things like a skateboard and a skateboard ramp and say, here's Jesus. And people are like, I never got that before. It's just not complicated. It's like going, hey, look, look, look. You see how that went? There's Jesus. And that's contextualizing the gospel and not complicating it. All the places and all the spaces that we go, look at this. It's Jesus. Huh. Let's continue here. Verse 22. What shall we do? Now they're in this predicament. Like, what shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. They're talking about Paul. They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what, um, do what we tell you to do. There are, are four men who with us who have made a vow. 
take these men, join in the purification rites and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. Let's pause here. One super smart theologian in regard to this little section, uh, Ernest Chalmers says this about Paul. He must demonstrate that the charges are false by taking part as a Jew in the purification ritual. Okay, let's continue on in verse 25. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, for the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And then we'll end on this verse. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. All this situation, everything that's going, Paul going into the room and telling the good news, and they're, they're saying, praise God for this. And then the, the team saying, thousands of people have believed in you. They're Jewish people that have believed in Jesus Christ, but they got problems about what you're saying about their rituals and their customs, and, and they're really kind of getting mad here. And Paul's like, listen, I, I want to show God's love here. And so it reminds me kind of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. And this is Paul talking about the way that he lives his life. And may this be our prayer and the way that we live our life. Because Paul finds himself in a predicament. And this is what Paul says. Though I am free and belonging to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. Does this make a little more sense now? As he's going into Jerusalem, he's like, I'll practice those rites. I'm Jewish. I'll do that. That's fine. It's a minor point. I'll do it. So to the Jew, he became like the Jews. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. Maybe that's all they're going to understand, right? So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am certainly under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I may save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. You see Paul as he marches into Jerusalem. He's like, you want me to do what? Go practice this, this thing? And I think, I wonder if he's just thinking, I wonder if people will seek God because of this. Yes, they will. I'll do it. Let's go. Come on. You see our ministry partnerships, the wonderful ministry partnerships that we have, they're like, we can use a summer camp to point Jesus to Christ with super silly skits. Will people see God in that? Yeah, let's do it. You see stay-at-home moms at Church Project, and they're like, 
can I point people to Jesus by changing these diapers and being locked up in this house all day? Yes, I'll do it. We see our bankers saying the same thing. We see our car salesmen saying the same thing. Hopefully we see our pastors saying the same thing. Every place that we go, everywhere that we do, we get to contextualize the gospel and say, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To the Gentiles, I became a Gentile. To those locked by the law, I became like I was locked by the law. To those running in grace and freedom, I became that too. Why? So that people would know and see the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Because Paul loved the Lord his God with all his might, soul, and strength. And because he loved his neighbor as himself. Do those sound familiar? Paul said, what must I do to help my neighbors understand, understand the gospel more today? And to be closer to God more today than they were yesterday. Is that our prayer, church? Is that the way that we want to live our life? Palm Sunday is right now. We get to see Jesus coming into Jerusalem on his way to the cross. That's what we're celebrating today. Tomorrow's Easter, or next week is Easter. This is his journey into Jerusalem. In this passage, we get to see Paul coming into Jerusalem on his way to Rome, where he's ultimately going to die. You and I are daily going to our Jerusalems of relationships and complexities. And may we do everything we can to love God and to love others as we point them to him. What Jerusalems do you find yourself in this week as we're marching and living our life? Saying, my goal and my aim is to love the Lord our God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbors as myself as I point others to him. That's good. You like this stuff? I like it. I'm going to end with this. And if you will just reflect on this, it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. I'm going to read it in the message version. Just close your eyes and accept this. This is my life work. Paul writing. Just imagine this. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped. But you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God, who created all in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathering in churches this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and taking about even amongst the angels all this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus 
When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. And so don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. My prayer is in regards to Paul's life. He found abandoning all for the gospel was the only way. And may you and I have this zeal and this love. Let's pray, God, thank you. May we have soft hearts for where people are at. May we celebrate every small step towards the cross. May we be patient and know God is drawing people to himself so that we can praise him. May all of our life point to you And may people praise you. May our lives praise you.